Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, and welcome back to the Interleague Podcast. He's Alex, I'm Chris, and we're talking baseball. It's been a few weeks, and that's okay. Sometimes you're allowed to take time off. Sometimes you're not allowed to take time off. It's really on how you view it. Um, And today we'll talk about whether our teams have taken days off while we were gone or not. Again, we won't get mad about it. You know, we'll try to find the clarity in all of it, but sometimes we won't. And that's okay, because this is our podcast. This is where you come to listen to us, complain, celebrate, whatever we want to do. You're here for us, and we thank you. Spags, are you here to thank the listeners? I am. Thanks, listeners. Um, yeah, like I said, some time off, uh, like a month off, kind of unexpected, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, um, a couple trips that we, t- you know, that we, one we took together, one I went with my brother, um, some unexpected work stuff, some sicknesses, so it's just kind of a little bit of everything, and we just ended up taking like a month off, it was an accident, so sorry. Yeah, really- perfect storm of things yeah um again yeah not it wasn't planned or but it just kind of happened to work out yeah yeah yeah. i hell even even last night like we were all on board to record last night and then towards the end of the day work day like i had a work thing pop up last night that it just didn't allow timing to happen so i was like oh cool awesome thanks dudes we can just be like 100 percent honest you know if the Cardinals were in a little bit better of a position, like there was that like first week where they had won some games, and I think we missed probably talking about that a little bit, but I mean, we definitely you know have not missed the last two weeks of games, that's for sure again, and so it's like, all right, cool, we want to take days off. I think I've done this before with the Cardinals. It's like, hey, they're taking time off. I can take time off. Right, we're all good. You know? Very true, so, very true. Millions of dollars through the podcast. Yeah. But to be fair, on intros, you know, I'm probably hitting 265, you know, so that's some room to improve. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think right around the time frame, because I want to say, I think we recorded, like, I think the last time we posted, we recorded up, so it was like May 8th. So it was like the week right before we were heading to Chicago that weekend, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was like, right at the start of when the Cardinals turned it around. Like they took two out of three from the Cubs, swept the Red Sox, took two out of three from the Brewers, took three out of four from the Dodgers, uh, 10 and three against four relatively good teams, three good teams, one team that's typically tough to play. And it was on the road at Wrigley. So strong ass showing. And then, um, then that Monday, I went to that Cardinals game in Cincinnati, and they um, lost in extras, and they, they typically like to win while you're there. So yeah, and they just they just haven't looked the same really, in my opinion, since then. It's like I don't know. I I, I guess that there was like. You know, the team had talked about like, oh, Goldschmidt came in and had like a players meeting and was going off and F this and F that and used some choice language and it just got the team fired up. Um, oh, Every day, dude. Judge going on here. the IL. Oh, man. 
Oh well. Little foot though. Yeah. So like, it's kind of a shitty area, and I know we'll probably get into it. But uh, I already did see the Dodgers are uh, already obviously like gonna pad that area better. They should just knock it all out. Like that gate should just, if it's it should open. Cool with that. Other gates open, but there shouldn't be a step there. Like, yeah. In or out of it, like you shouldn't have to take a step. Even if a guy was running out of it, he normally like wouldn't be running out of it or took a misstep. Like it's just a, it's yeah. not needed. Like the step's not needed. So, uh, but. Um, what I was going to say was we talked a lot about this if you go through any other podcast I think last year that like the Cardinals are they need some, they need a constant spark whether it's a guy coming <coughs> up uh, Nolan Arenado hitting hot uh, Wilson Contreras like finally kind of breaking out Paul Goldschmidt like giving them the hoorah like they constantly they can't just play well they need constant Hey, you're doing good. Hey, hey, this is this. And then to me, that's all every day that should be the fucking manager. Right. That's you shouldn't be needed, but this team for some reason always needs a spark to win games. And we did. I, I definitely remember like us talking about it and even looking at it from like a statistical standpoint. So obviously, you know, with the exception of April last year, Arenado had a great year. He got off to a relatively slow start. Um, or maybe it was like April was great and May was slow for him or whatever. But Goldschmidt and Arenado obviously had the years that they did, like being top three MVP vote getters. Um, win or lose is a strong year. But it was so it was those two, but it was like Pools had an insane August. Newt Barr had an insane September. You know, uh DeYoung popped off for a little bit. Um Edmund had a, a big month at one point. I think uh Carlson had a huge month at one point. And it's like they just like a couple guys got hot for like three weeks or so at different points to go along with um, Goldschmidt and Arenado. And it led to them winning games and really like the Cardinals pitched effectively for the most part all season, you know, like they, like when, um, when they traded and brought in Montgomery, um, like he was lights out in his like first six or seven starts with the Cardinals um, Jose Quintana was a godsend. Yeah, like uh, we had talked about, um, you know, at the beginning of the year that we were going to track quality starts on who would have more, Adam Wainwright or the rest of the Cardinals pitching staff. And by the end of the year, like it just wasn't even close. Like Hudson had a good number. Um, Michaelis had a ton. Wayno had a ton. Like it, it was a like a solid pitching staff. Um, Helsley came into his own. Um, you know, you had Gallegos and Cabrera were having strong years. So you had like the big three. They added guys like Luis Garcia um, as a bullpen arm. And so it's like the pitching staff was just in a great spot. Um, and they made some adjustments this year. And I, I couldn't find like a, a stat that showed it on like, what a pitcher's average time to the plate was. So like, you know, from the time like they got the ball on the mound, how long they were holding um, or like what their pace of play was, like how long between pitches. I didn't find anywhere that easily tracks it. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Just in my quick little Google searches, I couldn't find anything. Um, everything that I found pointed back to this pitch tempo, which is something that StatCast does. And basically, it's the time frame between releases on pitches. 
So like pitcher releases a pitch and the clock starts immediately again and stops when he releases the next pitch. Um, so it, I guess that that would kind of play into pace. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. So like finite amount of time to throw the ball now. Right. How much time are you using of that time? Before that wouldn't have been good, but now you have something to measure it against. I think. Right. So. Yeah. So so comparing that number like just with like the starters, and then last year to this year it was typically like four to five seconds faster this year. Their tempo was, um, and the Cardinals pitchers, like again, their pitching staff isn't horrible. They just aren't pitching well, you know, like they don't get quality starts. They don't pitch deep into games. And a lot of times it's either Matt's getting shelled in the first inning Cardinals hiccups early, but it's like that fifth and sixth inning, like that third time through the lineup that pitchers fall off a cliff for the Cardinals, um, where you see like Michaelis only went five his last time out. Uh, Wayno only went five and a third. Montgomery five and two thirds. Flaherty went five and a third. So it's like they're all just not pitching effective enough to get through the sixth inning. And I... Yeah, and I and I wonder like how how much of that is kind of conditioning. Like if you're pitching three to four seconds quicker, like that's three to four seconds you're not taking a breath, you're not resting your arm, you're not getting the right feel for the ball. Like there's a lot that you can do in three or four seconds as a pitcher to settle yourself down, to make the right pitch, to go through and like make sure you get the right call. You're not so quick to say yes on the next pitch that you want because you have a little bit more time. Like you can go through five or six signs when it's your third time through the lineup and you just don't have the time to do that anymore. So I don't, I don't know how much that plays a part, but it's just the only thing that I can think of that seemingly kind of an identical pitching staff to last year is struggling so significantly this year. Um, and yes, Contreras is behind the plate now and not Molina. So I'm sure that there are other factors, but they've but they've shown bro, they've shown aspects of being really good. So it's it's not like Contreras can't call a game. And they've you, Go ahead, sorry. Would you say that the Texas Rangers pitchers are better this year than they were last year? Um pitching staff besides DeGrom, right? Who I don't think was there last year. Um yeah, I, I think it's about the same. Um, I don't, I don't know. I was, uh, the only one I know for sure is Eovaldi is definitely performing better than what he did last year, but I don't know if he was with the Rangers last year. He might've been with Boston still. And then Martin Perez was with the Rangers and he definitely is not, has not looked the same this year as he did last year. He looked great yesterday against the Cardinals, but yeah. I knew they were doing good, like, overall, and I knew Perez was kind of slow. And the, the Reds just walked off the... On With a home run? Uh, first career... Uh, it says walk-off. Was it McMahon? Oh, that looked like a bomb. Five bucks, five bucks, five bucks. Home run, home run, baby. McLean? Or, yeah, McLean, yeah. Oh no! Warning track. He didn't catch it. Oh, what a what? 
Oh, sorry, dude. I hyped that up. It was like they had all the camera. I don't have the sound on. They just had all the camera angle. It's one of those. Right. It's all good. Hey, Dinger Tuesday was a success. It wasn't wasn't an all out. It wasn't a full fledged success, but we won money. Saturday, so you know, even a wash after soccer Saturday is yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, and and we won a little bit of money, not a ton, not a ton. What I think it's like 20, 20 bucks will get paid out. Yeah, and I wouldn't have been like you know extra rich if we would have won all of it. In, no, no, no. Yeah, it's not like we were retiring if we hit, but you know, fifteen dollars for for our bet. We'd like a little bit more. We like to be in that 20, 30 range, but we'll take 15. We can do a lot of damage with 15. Uh, but what I was going with was, you know, Montgomery left St. Louis, uh, and there's a whole new pitching staff and everything. Um, I know Wainwright's still there. You know, it's, you know, I, I do think. Oh, uh, you mean, something. you mean Maddox? Maddox. I keep saying Montgomery. Yeah. Um, you know, I think. Yachty not being there does play some part of it, but I can't play all parts of it. Um, if you can catch with Kisner and uh, um, you know some of these other guys, like it's not always just been Yachty. So. Right, and it's and that his presence out of the room makes them worse. That that's a problem you have as an organization as well, because that means your coaching hasn't been doing anything, which is then understandable why your coaching is not doing anything now. But I just don't think that's the full on story. Um, so I think the, any of these guys are professionals, you know, my, Miles Michaels has pitched not just in this league. He's pitched in, you know, a Japanese league, you know, it's not one coach shouldn't make Miles Michaelis, um, be able to go six innings. This guy came into the season going, I'm trying to pitch nine, like every game, like I'm, I'm taking charge. I'm the guy in the, the rotation. Watch me work. And it hasn't been that way. Right. Maybe it's not a coaching thing, but definitely not a great like. There's not a, not a great thing to point to because it's so many things. Just here and there. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, and and I think like the one of the things worth noting is like you said, like Kisner was here last year, and the Cardinals pitched with success with Kisner behind the plate. Kisner this year behind the plate, they aren't pitching with the same level of success. Like I know they blamed Contreras as like the reason why the team was doing so bad and they, you know, removed him for a week and they were carrying three catchers. And I think they realized how just horrible of a situation that that is. Um, the interleague's not recording. What do we do with them? What do we do with them? Uh, they told us to bring them up. Where do they go? Yeah. Um, and then they, like, and, and really, like, they went, like, the whole aspect, like, they brought up Trey Barreras and great, good. Like, it was a guy that was getting looks and hitting the ball, you know, decently well. Um, like, his, his stat line total wasn't that great. But I think, like, what it boiled down to is, like, the other catchers weren't doing a whole lot. So it was like, why not just bring him up? and see where it's at but it's like you could say the same thing for like Avon Herrera who's you know hitting like almost 300 in Memphis so it's like does you know if you you know if you're going to bring him up like great but you have Contreras and if you're going to have Contreras DHing then you have to put Gorman at second 
And if you're going to have Gorman playing second, then you got to find somewhere for Edmund. And if Edmund's going to be out in the outfield, then who isn't playing? Um, you know, cause you've brought up everybody under the sun. And like, even now, like, I guess Gorman kind of cooled off, but they've been using Luke and Baker at DH and Gorman as, you know, uh, a bat off the bench. And it's just like, I don't, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, I feel like they, they have like all, <laughs> all of these weird approaches and they just bring up guys for the sake of bringing up guys and they don't really have a game plan for what they're going to do. You know, like uh, Oscar Mercado was like red hot for a little bit, but he's I, like, he's not an everyday player anymore. Um, they don't use him every day. Um, like you still see like Kisner getting into games and it's just like, I don't know why. I mean, when Carlson and O'Neill come back from being hurt, like who, who, or like Newt Bar even, who are they going to send down? Like who are the odd men out at this point? You know, like I, I don't, I don't know that they have like an idea of what that looks like because you're carrying just two catchers now they finally corrected that problem um but you're carrying burleson mercado walker and yepes as your outfielders and you have carlson newt bar and o'neill hurt so when those guys come back like you have to assume they're going to put those guys if they i there's always the option that they trade somebody like that that could always happen but if that if that doesn't happen, you have to assume those three guys are going to be put back onto the active roster. So three guys get the odd man out. And who who is it that's up at the major level right now that you think deserves to be sent down? It's like the same stuff we talked about last year. Literally the exact same conversation. That's like all you've done is really start the clock on all these guys. That's not great. Yeah. Um, we definitely have some philosophical differences uh, of what we're doing with the team and what we're doing with the players. Unless the end goal is to play a handful of these guys and then trade them. Right. Like, oh, hey, look, I brought them up. <coughs> Did pretty good. Look at Luke and Baker hitting pretty much just as well. Maybe he hits a home run. Hopefully he hits a home run. Maybe two. You know, maybe you know, maybe we package them in, you know. But I, this team doesn't tr- trade like that, and so I don't really know where I think it might be. Where it, it seems like it has to be done. It's had to be done for years. I think great point is like you Juan Soto could be on this team right now for a player that's not hasn't been playing on the team. Mm-hmm. And granted, they they couldn't have known that. Carlson was going to get hurt, but even even before Carlson got hurt, it's not like he was an everyday player. Like yeah. I don't I don't know when when exactly he went on the IL. Um, yeah, you haven't overnight just been like, oh hey, we just all of a sudden started bringing up outfielders. No, this has been like a three year thing, right? Where it's like, oh hey, no, our outfielder of the future is still like um, a year away. They're going to be coming up. It's like, but Carlson was the 
that ain't going nowhere through numerous trades. Even when he was a, mm-hmm. a prospect, ain't going nowhere. Him and Nolan Gorman were like, uh, no, do something else. Talk about whoever else you want. Him, honestly. Then we start going down the line. Jordan Walker was a no. Talk about the Cardinals ain't had really a lot of guys that, hey, if someone wanted, the Cardinals were openly not going to trade that player. Um, so I am hard pressed to think through all those scenarios that they also should have traded guys, and they didn't trade guys that were they're going to just wake up and be like, hey, you know what, we should probably trade some guys right i don't know why like it doesn't make sense yeah cool you got a bunch of guys around the league that you've traded and done real well you know what that's a proof to you're doing well but you got too many guys you can't have all these guys so they're gonna have to go somewhere they're gonna end up going somewhere to go figure out what you need and package guys together and be a front office that cares about your baseball club and is at least putting in effort because right now it looks like no one is putting in effort to fix the problem. It's just, hey, the team is the team. We're going to yeah. figure it out. The players are going to play. Ollie's going to be there. Yeah, I can assure you, you know? no no one outside of the residents of Memphis give a shit about if the Redbirds win a title in AAA. No. No one. You know, they don't even have, like, a fun club. They're not like the Savannah Bananas doing cool stuff. <laughs> well, that's, I think, a lot of what the Savannah Bananas do. It's not legal in professional baseball. <laughs> but I know what you're saying. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, it, it's just, it's it's weird. And, like, I, I get the guys are hurt, and you, you got to call someone up. And, sure, like, totally, totally get it. But, you know, like, it, it's weird to me that, like, they opted to bring up someone like Baker. Like, I don't I don't know who all is still down in Memphis, like, in terms of, like, Let's what. Look at this and see if they bring up the guy we talked about. Well, and, and for me, it's like, uh, you know, it's like there's no reason to bring up a starter, but you could bring up um, – well, it looks like Carlson is on the roster in Memphis, so I guess he's rehab start like doing some rehab stint. Um, but even like if you if you find guys like I I feel like um, like Moises Gomez, like I believe he's been up at the MLB, maybe not. Maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. Uh, Moises Gomez. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, no, maybe I'm thinking of a different name. Um, but I know, like, they have, um, like, Taylor Motter is down there. Kramer Robertson is down there. Like, these are guys that have come up. Uh, Jose Furman is a guy that they signed off of waivers. Like, so the, these are options. And I get that you're, like, okay, well, we we need to win games, but is is Luke and Baker the answer to that? Like, he struck out in 50% of his, of his at-bats in his first two games. Like, I, I get he's three for eight with three singles. That's great. That's awesome. Very happy for him getting called up, but he isn't the solution to your team. You sent Jordan Walker down for less. Right. I, I mean, it, Walker's extended for a longer period of time. Um, for Walker, it was more like 20 games, not two. Um, 
And again, like, it, and it was dumb that they sent him down. And we talked about that till we were blue in the face. Um, and then he didn't even do any better. Like his stats in Memphis weren't great. Um, didn't change anything. 29 games, 113 at bats, hit, hit 239, four home runs, six doubles. Like, I don't. Craig, dude, let's bring up Alan Craig. Dude. <laughs> Craig left fielder in Memphis, dude, hitting 322. Where, where do you see this? Huh? On uh, right here. Hold on, let me screen this up so you can see. Uh, yeah, 2023 Memphis. All right, we're going live on the TV. I don't know why, dude. I don't know how this happened to Colton Wong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what happened here. Patrick Wisdom's on your list. <laughs> you're on some You're on some other shit. I was like, what? No, I don't know. Tommy <laughs> Pham's on there. Yeah, dude. Matt Carp, Ricky and Keel. <laughs> yeah, dude. Call them all up, baby. Uh, David Freeze. Yeah. Hey, y'all. Dallas Garcia's on there. <laughs> bring up Chris Duncan that's a that's a hell of a list dude hell of a list and I was like what are you talking about Alan Craig you weirdo um but yeah so so I don't like the Dallas Garcia's on here what is going on <laughs> so so really I like for me like the the point being is you didn't need to start the clock in terms of, and I and I don't know how how much he has to play, so maybe it hasn't started the clock yet, and that's part of like that roster manipulation stuff. But I thought they put in rules against against teams being able to do that. Um. So if he's if he's just up long enough, like if Baker stays up long enough and is playing, um, and accrues enough time, then you're looking at him getting into um, like into his arbitration years earlier. And so that's, that's really the big downfall is that you're starting the clock for them to hit free agency sooner. Um, and again, like I, I don't think that you needed to go that route, you know, like it's like Motter's been up, Robertson's been up, Furman's been in the majors, you know, any of them could have come up because you're using Baker as a DH He's going to be first base if he does play. You have plenty of guys that can play first base. You you don't need it to be Baker. And you could have just let him continue to develop in Memphis. Bringing him up, what I don't know what good it does. Other than it's at-bats that other guys aren't getting. And I get that, like, right now, the Cardinals are like, hey, we're – so you're going to play Arenado and Goldschmidt. Like, Contreras behind the plate, they're not at third, Goldschmidt at first. You know, if you're going to have Baker be your DH, then you're probably getting Gorman in at second, or you're not playing Gorman. You're taking at-bats away from Gorman, which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, you have Edmund or Donovan at, or if you have DeYoung at shortstop, then you have Edmund and Donovan not in the lineup if you have Gorman in. If you put Edmund out in the outfield, well, now you're taking, like, you have guys like uh, Mercado and Yepes, and Burleson up at the major league level to not get every day at bats. And if Burleson's a guy that you're going to, you know, like at least Mercado's older, like him being up and being on the bench, totally get it. But you called up Walker when Newbar went down. A good defensive replacement, fast. Uh, Mercado? 
Yeah. I and, and it's like you have you called Walker up when Newbar went down. So you you you're gonna play him every day. But why is Burleson any different? It's like you can't play them all. So if you were gonna have guys come up, like it would make sense for it to be like, you know, Mercado and Yepes. You know, or like you had Burleson already up here, so you keep him up or whatever. But these guys just aren't getting at bats now. And I don't understand like where they think that this isn't going to have long-term issues, you know, like where it's not going to be impactful. Um, Cause like Alec Burleson at this point, his he's only played in 47 games and the Cardinals are, have played what? 60 something, 61 maybe. Um, yeah. 61. So they're playing their 62nd game. So he's sat in 15 games, so he's he's playing in about three-fourths of the games. He's getting into. Doesn't necessarily mean he's starting, but he has appeared in three-fourths of the Cardinals games this year. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're playing in three out of every four, you're sitting one game a week, two games the next week, one game, then two games. It, it just, it, I don't, I don't know how they expect him to find success. Um, so they're like, hey, uh, they really need to hit all the time. And then Alec Burleson, they're like, oh, he can just. Right. He yeah. Can... Hitting, hitting 225. He only has four home runs, seven, R, like seven doubles, 14 RBIs. You compare that to Walker. Like Walker has three doubles, three home runs. Um, I think he hit his fourth home run tonight. Um, you know. So his RBIs are up. So from a stat line, they're basically the same thing, but Walker's hitting 25, 30 points higher and has played in half the number of games because they sent Walker down to develop his game. Well, then just send Burleson down and develop his game. And like I said, like it, I understand that there are guys that are hurt, but Burleson's been up all year. He hasn't been doing great all year. You know, like if, if you're okay with the guy struggling, then just let Yepes be up here and struggle. He's also not done anything. He's played in he's played in 20 games at the major level, hitting like just over 200. But just figure it out here. Yeah, um, you know, but even Yepes, he's only played in 17 games in Memphis, so he's only appeared in 37 games total. Um, he has 70 at bats at the at AAA, and he has 42 at bats. So he's 112 at bats on the year. Like, like O'Neill, who's been hurt for like a month now, has 92 at bats on the year. So Yepes, who I don't know, I don't remember Yepes being hurt. Maybe he was, but he essentially has missed a month of baseball as well. You know, from just not playing. Maybe he he was hurt. I don't I don't know. I don't remember. Him, I don't I remember there being I don't remember him being hurt at any point, but um, I also think it would be easier if we trade some of these guys because it's like it's almost like Ali has too many options, and there are just a lot for some reason this year they're just allowing them to call up. I mean, maybe it's just the injuries, but they're just allowing them to call everyone up under the sun. Like, ah, cool, we're gonna give this guy a shot, like. We're, I think two years in a row now, we've unloaded the farm system onto the major league club. And I couldn't name a guy 
in the past two years, it's like, oh, I guess Nolan Gorman. Mm -hmm. Let me back up. I guess Nolan Gorman, who last year you wouldn't have said that about, and at parts of the time at the beginning of this year, you probably wouldn't have said that about. That one other guy out of that group in the last two years that's come up, they're like, he's going to stay in his position. He's going to be a, he's going to, that's his permanent position. Right. Shit, Nolan Arenado's doing it, or Nolan Gorman's doing it in a position that he doesn't really play. Right. You know, I mean, and it and it's not to say that like, you know, Arenado, it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball. Um, you know, Goldschmidt is having a down year compared to his MVP year, like batting under 300. But I mean, Arenado, 11 home runs on the year, 41 RBIs. I think he hit another home run tonight, so he's at 12. But let's just say going into tonight, I mean, hitting 263, 11 home runs, 41 RBIs, uh, 31 strikeouts. Um, and 59 are sorry, and yeah, 59 games. He's not a career 300 hitter, right? He's like a career uh, 287 hitter. Something, something like that. I, I would just think that you'd like to see him like 20 points higher than where he's at, which isn't a ton. It's his career for sure, and then he has half a year to bring that up. 20 for sure. It's not, he's struggled, but he's still better than most players in football. Correct. He do, he doesn't look like himself. Not that he's having a bad year. He just doesn't look like himself. And where he's at, like Nolan Gorman. Colorado's paying him this year. This is the year Colorado's actually paying for him. So <laughs> gotcha. Um, so Gorman in 56 games, um, you know, like 40 less at bats than Arenado has. He has 14 home runs, uh, 44 RBIs, hitting 268. The major difference, I mean, Gorman has struck out 11 times more. So I think Arenado with almost 50 strikeouts right now is pretty high. Um, Arenado isn't really good on base. He's not slugging a whole bunch. Like, uh, Goldschmidt has 18 doubles to Arenado's eight. Um, so, like, you, you just aren't seeing, you know, the same thing. And, and we talked about this when they – the pocketbooks open, like the wallets open, we're going to spend money. And they brought in Contreras and everybody was like, Oh, that's the answer they needed. We're, we're going to get some offensive output from a position that did nothing last year. And it's like, well, cool. But you're like, even if Contreras has a great year, he's just replicating what Pujols was last year, just at a different position because you're probably not going to get the Pujols level production from last year out of your DH. And now Gorman has been a pleasant surprise, but then they started to use Gorman at second base because Contreras isn't capable of catching every day. And even like where it was like, oh, well, Contreras can, it's fine. His bat will make up for it. And that's what we brought him in for. But 57 games played. So he's played in most of them. Um, seven home runs, 27 RBIs, uh, hitting 213. You know, from for like all players, like for any player that has like any position player that has played and like has even taken some ABs for the Cardinals, the only two players hitting lower than Contreras are Taylor Motter, who was hitting 200, going four for 20, and Trace Barrera, who went 0 for 2 in the six games that he got into. But other than that, like position player wise. Everyone else that's played in, uh, like, that has played in a major league game or taken in a bat for the Cardinals, 
they have a higher batting average than Wilson Contreras. Interesting. So it's like, oh, that that's what you brought him in for? Like, that was the solution? This offensive output? Like, this offensive juggernaut behind the plate? Like, no. You, he hasn't been that. So it's like, well, well, what do you, what do you do then? Um, and like, they're they're not going to turn around and trade him. You, know, you got to try to figure some things out. But he's he's not the solution to the heart of your lineup. And I don't think he's going to get better with age. Like, do I expect him to stay this bad? No, but he's not. I mean, Kisner's hitting two thirty two. Kisner has five home runs to his seven. Like right now, you could be getting the same production from Andrew Kisner as you are Wilson Contreras. And Kisner has, you know, what? He's got eight less RBIs. Or, sorry, 15 less RBIs, two less home runs, um, seven less doubles. But he has a third of the at-bats that Contreras has. Higher batting average, lower on-base percentage, better slugging percentage. Way better OPS. Well, not way better. 60 points. Like, significant enough. So it's like, it, okay, so Wilson Contreras is just Andrew Kisner, and that's what you're paying for to this point? Uh, that's why I just... And who they could have got rid of, which outfielders they could have got rid of for Sean Murphy? You could have had Sean Murphy and Juan Soto this year. Yeah. For outfielders that are currently not in your starting lineup. Mm-hmm. That's almost a guarantee. <clears throat> and and it's not that, like, I don't know. Who did? Oh, nice. Good for him. He's not on my team anymore, so I don't care. No, but he's a Dinger favorite. He's a Dinger Tuesday favorite. You know? He is a Dinger Tuesday favorite. I think last year we might have just, uh, almost exclusively for a minute, went like Otani or Otani um, Judge. Judge, yeah. Yeah. Multiple times that paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I and I did look. So the 2022, um, um, what you call it, Rangers? Because I couldn't think of the team. They basically had like four guys that were in their rotation most of the year, and that was Martin Perez, Dane Dunning, Glenn Otto, and John Gray. And then they had a handful of other guys make starts. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten other starters made two or more starts for the Rangers last year. Um, so it, it was really just like four guys. So this year they have John Gray and Martin Perez. They added, uh, Nathan Eovaldi, Andrew Heaney, and then DeGrom. And with DeGrom getting hurt, Dane Dunning has moved from the bullpen back into um right did i look at the right one yeah game started yeah so he moved from the bullpen back into the rotation um and so he's made like five uh starts now i i don't know if tonight was number six or or what but now he's obviously going to be filling in long term because jake DeGrom's out for the rest of the year and the first half of next year probably so, sucks if you drafted Jake DeGrom. Um, but again, I so I think the perfect the perfect team that's like, all right, well, well, what 
what do they have, you know, prospect wise? Let's let's go see. Let's let's play this. Like that team clearly looking for another starter. You know, like if uh, they're losing to Grom, you know, is Dane Dunning going to be the solution for them all year? Um, so let's go see what they have prospect wise. Um, Texas. Top 30 prospects. Making a deal. Yeah. Have struck a deal with the Texas Rangers. Yeah. So. Get. Um, yeah. It's like you could go after, you know, and, and again, like it, it's not that they, that they need depth, you know, or anything like that, but maybe you trade up and you condense, you know, like, Maybe you want to go after like uh, Jack Leiter Jr. You know, uh, like you up and coming pitcher or like Kumar Rocker that no one really wanted to take in the draft. Yeah, and he's maybe, but I mean, he like, but if you're able to, like, hey, we'll get you, like, we'll trade you Jack Flaherty, and in exchange, we're going to bring in you know, another pitching prospect and we're going to bring in, you know, like maybe you get like further down, you know, whatever, like some more depth. You're like, Hey, this guy could be developed. Um, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to try to find like our catcher of the future. Like maybe they have, you know, some 17, 18 year old international prospect that catches. They're like, yeah, we'll take a flyer on this guy. Kind of like where like Ivan Herrera started. And now you're looking for who's going to catch for the Cardinals at the back end of Contreras's career. Um, and you start to develop that. But once you have those pieces and you're like, okay, this is the direction that we're going to go. Well, now, you know, like Herrera becomes expendable. Like now you can trade, you know, hey, we have a guy that's almost major league ready talent. And so you're positioning yourself to be able to deal in the offseason to bring in the pieces that you need to solidify a roster around. Arenado and Goldschmidt and Contreras because right now since those guys have joined your team like Goldschmidt being the first one and granted this is Contreras' first year so he hasn't had a chance to play in the playoffs but since you've traded for Paul Goldschmidt and then added Nolan Arenado you have not won an NLCS game like the Cardinals haven't won an NLCS game since 2014 and like that, that to me, it's almost been a decade since the Cardinals have won an NLCS game, not played in the world series, not won the NLCS, but won a game in the NLCS, been almost 10 years. Like, and that I think has to be more of a glaring issue for the front office. Like this isn't acceptable for our fan base. Like people aren't going to be okay with this. Um, the blues went forever without winning a cup. They won one. They took a bad loss to Colorado where it's like, oh, man, if Bennington didn't get hurt, maybe we take them down. They were a really good team. They went on to win the Stanley Cup. And then when the Blues didn't make the playoffs this year, they were getting booed. Yeah. You know, and that was, what, four years removed from a cup? Three years removed from a cup? Yeah, and battling all kinds of injury. Like your number mm-hmm. one player, he had to trade because he was injured. Like, yeah. Like, you, you dealt O'Reilly, you dealt Tarasenko, but they did what they needed to do, you know, to, to like, hey, 
here's us investing in the future of our team. Um, I can't, I've drawn a blank on the kid's name that he brought in, but they brought the young kid in. Um, I think he's like a young Russian kid. <coughs> he was like a former first round pick. Um, wasn't really doing anything. I think he came from Washington, maybe. Um, or like he was a first round pick by Washington. Maybe we got him from somewhere else. Um, but they brought him in. Uh, when they traded Tarasenko to the Rangers, like they brought back Sammy Bly and he started scoring a whole bunch of goals. Um, this other kid that they brought in started being a big goal scorer. And it was like, dude, like if they can get, like if that's what these kids end up being, like if they play the way they did over the last month and a half of the season all year next year, Blues are going to be a team that competes again. And it was, hey, we're not going to resign these guys. So let's see what we can get for them. And that's where it's at this year. Like, you aren't going to – the Cardinals aren't going to be in a position that they're going to be able to trade enough to bring in the pieces that they need to contend this year. Because if they are going to do that, they need to do it now. Like, they can't wait another two months. It can't be the end of July when you decide that you're going to bring these guys in. They're out of it now. They need to course correct tomorrow. Correct. Yeah, like it needs to happen now. So if you aren't going to do that, then what you need to do is start looking at where you can capitalize – on teams that need guys. Um, you know, and, and maybe that's what they're doing, like Luke and Baker. Well, if you don't have a spot for them, like let's say the Cardinals of the future are, you know, for the next, what, they have Goldschmidt for two more years after this? One more year? We always talk about this, and I always forget. No, I think it's two. Um. Why are are you doing this? Go away. Um, so they have him signed through 2024, and then he's a free agent. So you're so you're gonna be looking for your replacement there. So so maybe Baker you hold on to because you're like all right, like we'll get you some exposure. You'll be our backup guy off the bench, you know, DH guy next year, and then 2025 we're, we're targeting you to take over at first base. Um, Nolan Gorman is going to be your second baseman. You've made that move. That's what's going to happen. Just stick yep. with it. Yep. Um, you have uh, Paul DeYoung, his contract coming up. What? We say he's this got. Year. Last year. This is his last year? I thought he had one more. Oh, God. No more years. Um, sorry. No, no. Yeah. So he is under. Like this was. The final year, but he's got club options for 2024 and 2025. So then, right. So you, so you assume, okay, he, he's not going to be there, but you have, um, I think Edmund and Donovan are both like not even, um, so Edmund just hit arbitration eligibility. He signed through 2025. Um, I'm just trying to see like the if they're losing any of these guys because you have Mason Wynn. Uh, Brendan Donovan, he's pre-arb until – so he's under team control forever and ever. So you're going to continue to have Donovan as your super utility guy. But if if you don't bring back DeYoung, if you don't pick up his option, then you're looking at like, okay, we can go Donovan until Wynn's ready because you know you're going to have him. You have Edmund who can play shortstop for you, but you have the stopgap. Um, Gorman can DH and play second. 
you're going to have, you know, Baker capable of DHing and will be able to give Goldschmidt a spell at first. Um, and then you have Arenado at third, Contreras behind the plate. So, so like your infield is kind of spoken for. If, you know, next year, whether you want to give DeYoung one more year and let Wynn develop for another year in AAA if he struggles this year, or if you want to give him the call up next year and let him squeeze in play along, like you'll have like Gorman, Donovan, Edmund, Wynn, and that'll be like your middle infield core with guys like Donovan and Edmund both being able to play the outfield, Gorman DHing at times, whatever. So you, you can kind of mix and match. So then in your outfield, you're going to have Jordan Walker. You've, you know, right now you have O'Neill and Carlson, which, um, uh, let's see. I think O'Neill is a free agent after next year. Yeah. So next year is his last year of arbitration eligibility. So you have him signed through 2024. And then Dylan Carlson, you have signed, he goes in arbitration. So you have him locked up for a couple more years. So if Carlson is your future center fielder, and that's why you traded Bader. So you have Walker and right, you have Carlson in center. You have a plethora of guys that can play left. You know, you're looking at Burleson. You're looking at Yepes. You're looking at O'Neill for another year. Um, Edmund can eat innings out there. Donovan can eat innings out there. You have, I think Mercado's is on like a one-year deal. So he's probably going to be looking for a major league contract next year. Um, but so it's so like, you're like, all right, th- this is the future. This is what our team looks like. And then you have, you know, Graceffo, you have Jerpy, you have Libator, who hasn't been that great at the major league level. Um, you have Michaelis under contract. You have Matt's under contract. You know, so it's like, all right, well, Wayno's going to retire. Flaherty's not coming back. Montgomery's probably not coming back. So what what are we doing? And then you just figure out what you, what the future looks like. And then all of the guys that don't fit into your future of like three to four years out, like if you don't view them as being key components in the next, like in the next three to four years, trade them. Trade them and get pieces that can make your team better now. And your goal should be to win a ring before Nolan Arenado is no longer a Cardinal. Because if you don't, that trade's fucking pointless. Like, you didn't win that trade anymore at that point. You didn't do anything. You just treaded water for seven years. Congratulations. You sold the same amount of tickets because you always sell three million. Right. Worth of tickets. Wasn't like Nolan Arenado drew more tickets. Did he draw concession stands? Oh, Nolan's here. I didn't when we went to games. I didn't need a Nolan Arenado anything. Yeah, never. Yeah. Hell, we've gone to more. We've we've sat in the David Free section more than we've sat in the Nolan Arenado section. Hell yeah, dude. You know, we wanted to go to Freeze's Landing, not NATO's corner. <laughs> yeah, the hot corner. <laughs> yeah. So. <clears throat> and I and I get it that it's like it's extremely easy for me to sit here and be like, here's the solution. But I just don't see how it's not. And, like, maybe they are trying to make these deals and they just can't find the right one, you know. And Or maybe they are scared that, like, they're going to trade guys and it's just not going to work out for them. I mean, like, you you brought in Ozuna. Everyone's, like, it's like, oh, man, like, this sucks. He's, like, the consolation prize to Stanton. And Ozuna was fine when he was here. 
you know, like dealt with the forearm injury, but he was fine. Like he hit like close to 300 when he was here. Like he wasn't an outstanding outfielder, but you weren't expecting him to be, you know, like you, you kind of got what you got. The shitty part was that Alcantara went on to win a Cy Young and Zach Gallon might win one this year. So that kind of hurts, <laughs> you know, like what's this team look like if they, you know, cause it's not like he did anything with Ozuna and that's the big reason why you lost the trade. You know, like if, if you had Ozuna and Ozuna helped you win two rings or a, a ring and he was a factor in that, then it didn't matter. Like Alcantara and Gallon could win whatever. Like you, you did, we did. It's like what I talk about with the Tage Thomas or Tage Thompson trade for Ryan O'Reilly. Like that, that was the big piece we sent back to Buffalo. And he's a stud, like a monster of a man, an amazing hockey player. It is phenomenal to watch him on ice. Like the game, one of the games Kurt and I went to was against Buffalo. It is a spectacle to behold. He is very, very talented at what he does. Seems a lot like we lost. We gave up a generational talent for Ryan O'Reilly, but O'Reilly came in and helped lead the Blues to a Stanley Cup. So you kind of you kind of got exactly what you wanted out of the trade. Like, is there any player you wouldn't trade for a Stanley Cup? You know, is there any player that you wouldn't trade for a World Series ring, like regardless of who they ended up being? If the Yankees traded Jason Dominguez and they brought in you know, like a key piece that was like a nut, like another big three starter, like, you know, say Carlos Rodon ends up being healthy at some point and Cole gets back to being healthy and they, he brought, they brought in like a, like a Zach Gallon, you know, like another Cy Young level pitcher to be like the number three in New York. And like, they were just lights out, you know, like how I, I wouldn't like, I'd like, oh man. It would be real nice if we had Jason Dominguez, but, you know, at the same time, like, Jason Dominguez wasn't going to help us win a World Series in 2023. And, like, yeah, he might in the future, but I don't – that's future Alex's problem. Like, present Alex wants the Yankees to win now, um, to compete now, to be relevant now. Yeah. And I get, like, at some point, like, you can't just constantly give away your farm system because ultimately you don't have anything left. And that's what the Yankees did for a long time. But you just have to recognize when you're a seller – and Cashman did a great job of that in 2016 when they weren't going to compete and they flipped Miller for a whole bunch of prospects. They flipped Chapman for a whole bunch of prospects. Like they just made uh, a lot of these moves. They picked up a couple guys on waivers. Like they drafted, like they, they went pretty aggressive in like international free agent signings and they rebuilt up some youth and they're like, Hey, like down the road, this might end up being really good. Like they drafted for developmental positions and they had a game plan and that's what they stuck to. And I feel like the Cardinals did that really well for a long time. We've talked about how good the Cardinals farm system is and they have all this depth, but it just never like they didn't, you know, they don't have like the, the Mike Trout's of the world, the Ronald Acuna's of the world. Like those guys don't exist in the Cardinals organization. And like Walker got that hype, but let's be honest, like that's not where he is. And like, we talk about, other teams that have guys jump from double a to the majors and like Atlanta's real notorious for doing it. But like Michael Harris isn't, he looks lost right now in his sophomore season. Like to the point where like, I just dropped him. You want to pick him up? He's going to, he's going to be a baller. Yeah. Like I dropped him to pick up Gary Sanchez. Oh, I saw you pick up Gary Sanchez. You didn't even notice the player you dropped. Yeah. Like, cause he just isn't doing it. And now he's not even playing every day for Atlanta cause they're a deep team and they're trying to win now. It's like, if you aren't hitting, you aren't going to play. Yeah. 
you know, go down to AAA, figure it out. Like, he might get sent down. Who knows? Go play in Gwinnett. Do what you do, man. Um, yeah, I get it. So, so it's not that every move works out for everybody all the time. Um, hell, the Dodgers, they made trades to bring in, like, it, like what I think they, they brought in. I think Thomas hit a home run tonight, too. <laughs> yeah, that's another Him tearing it up. Imagine him being out in the outfield. You know, but no, Cardinals got John Lester. Can you imagine that Lane Thomas on a thing only says he has three years of experience? How many years would you have guessed Lane Thomas has been in the league? Seven. <laughs> seven, yeah. That's seven. literally what I was getting ready to say. Only 27 years old. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, 32, easy. Let me see if I can find this Journeyman. message. I know I talked about it. So, um... So the Dodgers, you know, we were talking about, um, you know, we we nitpicked the Cardinals and the trades that went awry, and you know, we we talked about like the Randy Rosarenas and you know the Oscar Mercados and Adal's Garcia and um, you know Alcantara and Gallon and all these things that go south. But it's the Cardinals aren't the only team that that happens to. Like there's there's plenty of youthful to, like look like the Cubs like trading away Glaber Torres to bring in Chapman and like, yeah, Chapman helped them win a ring. So do you think anyone's mad about that trade? You know, like Chapman was exactly the piece that they needed. And granted, he, I think he blew the save in game seven. Like he gave up the home run, um, but they got it done. Like and Chapman was a big part of that. Like that was a huge addition for them at the trade deadline. And then he left, like they only got a half a year out of him, but Torres has been a stud at second base for the Yankees. And then he was real bad when they tried to move him to shortstop. But when they moved back to second, he was, he was real good again. Um, but I think it just, it, it hits home more with the Cardinals because there are such stretches where it's like, man, if we had these guys, we would be competing. We would be contending. You know, like if Alcantara and Gallon were heading up our rotation right now, the Cardinals would be unstoppable. Like they would be NL favorites you know, crazy, and they just aren't there. And so, like, when you look at, like, the Dodgers, the Dodgers have similar aspects where they've given up guys, but they went to a World Series, like, four years, like, four times in the last six years or some shit. Um, they've won a ring. Granted, it was a little Mickey Mouse ring, 2020, but they, they've been there. Like, they, they, they have been competitive. They have been competing. They've been playing in the playoffs. They've been winning 110-plus games a year. Yeah, like they're winning playoff series and whatnot, but in recent years, like the like recent years being like the last six or seven years, like so back to the time frame that the Cardinals traded away Gallon and Alcantara, like the Dodgers brought in Tony Watson and Josh Fields. Do either of those names ring a bell to you? Like, do they? Like, oh man, those guys were phenomenal. Do you like? Do you ever remember those guys sticking out in your head? About the great years they were having. I just think about Tony Lopez. Okay. Um, do the names Jordan Alvarez and O'Neill Cruz mean anything to you? Yep. Well, that's who the Dodgers gave up for Tony Watson and Josh Fields. Yeah. So, like, could you imagine how good the Dodgers would be if, like, they just had Alvarez and O'Neill Cruz right now? Journeyman. You know, like, would they have ever brought in Trey Turner if they had held on to O'Neill Cruz? You know? Who knows? Would the, would the Cardinals have been all in in the Trey Turner sweepstakes, you know, in 
and what was it 2020 that they traded for him 2021 something like that they got him as like a, a year and a half rental young was still here dude. they didn't care about anybody yeah but he was he was shitty then he was shitty. and hurt but now he now he hits home runs what do you mean now he's a home run machine dude he's only like he's actually hitting above his career average currently so it's not yeah, but we we have always talked about if Paul DeYoung hit 250 and he hits 25 like 20 to 30 home runs, yeah. like we would be okay with it. And that's that's what he's trying. He's missed a whole bunch of the year, but if he's hitting eight home runs, let's for simple math, let's say it's over 40 games, he has the eight home runs. So if he continues that trend, I mean that's 32 home runs over the course of the year. So if he hits 250 with 30 home runs, you know. 80 plus RBIs, like we'll take that from DeYoung. Like he's not terrible defensively. He's just not as good as everyone makes him out to be. On May 22nd. That was Paul DeYoung's last home run. May 22nd. Yeah, it is. He has definitely cooled off. But does it matter how how regularly you hit them or do you just look at it from the at the end of the year? Like when you look at, at the year Nolan Arenado had last year and he finished third in MVP – but if you look at like from like a month by month perspective, yep. there was one month that was real bad. Yeah, if you win if you win ninety plus games in the year, I'm not going to single you out as a player. Um, but when you're on pace to you know win seventy something games, we're going to talk about how streaky you fucking are. Because yeah. you know nobody. Well, the real problem is everyone around you is streaky. So it's really hard to just hold Paul DeYoung accountable for his actions. But we've been holding Paul DeYoung accountable for his actions. Not really so much his contract, but the fact that they paid him early. <coughs> yes. Around a, a, a guys that they decided, hey, we're going to pay early. We as the fan base went, what smart move. Yeah. Smart move Lock him up. Lock him up. Yeah. Because, you know, we're a small market team. We're not going to spend money like that. So lock him up. And most of those have not been great. Yeah. So last year, and if you were to ask anybody – how did Nolan Arenado do? Great year, right? Wonderful. Like, top five, top three MVP votes. Great year. I would take that firm every year. So, in May of last year, 28 games, started 27 of them, uh, 102 at-bats. He hit 196, four home runs, 15 RBIs, but hit 196. Like, he, he had 20 hits, like, half of them were extra base hits. Um. So not great. Uh, September and October combined, 27 games. Uh, he hit 221. Um, two home runs, 14 RBIs. So you're just like, oh, I well. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the same shit though last year. This team's streaky as fuck. They can't mm-hmm. get on the board. Like it's the, you know. Yeah, it's the you know him hitting 365 in the month of August or. 375 in the 19 games between March and April, like that it got him going, but he disappeared for long stretches of time. Yeah, like I would imagine in that month of May, like those four home runs were probably just across like two games. Maybe it was like one series and he had all four of those home runs. But in the grand scheme of things, like if he, if he's where he needs to be at the end of the year, no one, no one's going to give a shit. And that's fine. Like, he hit 293, 30 home runs, 103 RBIs. Like, that's all anyone's ever going to ask for. Like, if he does that every year, awesome. If they, if he does that every year and they make the playoffs, 
but when they're losing games like this, it, you're gonna there. It brings attention to it. You're oh well, well, and and Arenado's not doing that this year. I mean, like he's thirty points below that in the batting average, like not on pace. Like, well, I guess he's probably on pace for those home run numbers because he he's into double digits. So he he might end up being around thirty or so, but he definitely isn't hitting the way that he normally is. But yeah, the Cardinals definitely just aren't winning games, um, and it it I don't I don't know like it it's just there's no there's no fight in them. Um, again tonight, I mean like they lost six to four, and they did fight back a little bit, but they jumped out to two nothing lead, and then very quickly it was a six two deficit. You know, so it's like you're going into the latter half of the game and you're down by four. But they have leads all the time and don't hold them. John Mosellock, Valley Sports West, just tweeted out, speaking with at Alexa Dat, what he sees as STL Cardinals' biggest weakness. John Mosellock's words, not mine. If I had to say one thing, it's the inconsistency of the club on the solution to really get back to our winning ways has to start from within. The short answer is get healthy and start winning games. So the to, so to win games, they just need to win games. Yeah, win games, you just gotta. That's about as profound as so. So lost. <laughs> so so there's a Reddit post that I was reading the other day. Um, at least I'm sure I'm pretty sure it's on Reddit. But either way, so there's a post. I think it was like the after dark Reddit thread for the Cardinals. And it's basically like, hey, you can you can be real here. You can say whatever you want. Okay. Um, I, guess, I don't think I'm part of that one. Cardinals. Um. So they. Yeah. I. I think it's just in the like. Uh, I'll have to track it down like next time I see it come across. I don't. I don't know if that's exactly what the subreddit's called. It's like uh, the for work section. Um. Here, let me see if I can. Maybe it's just in the Cardinals. Subreddit. Yeah. So. So it's just in the Cardinals subreddit, but they'll have like Cardinals After Dark. So like there's one right now, like Cardinals After Dark six like six six. Um and like they're like they just talk about like there's just highlights that they post on there, but I feel like there is more more honest comments. Like it's a little more open discussion and it's not so moderated, I feel like, is maybe why they call it after dark. Um But anyway, so someone's talking about that. You know, the Cardinals, they score a lot of their runs in bunches and they they score runs off bad pitchers. And people were like, well, yeah, but that's what makes them bad pitchers. Like notoriously, a lot of teams are scoring runs off of them. That's why statistically they're a bad pitcher. Like that's how it works. If, you know, like every team does that. But this guy, I shit you not, as serious as you could read in text, said that the for the Cardinals to win more games, they just need to score more runs and let up less. Mm. And I was like, yeah, like spoken from the mouth of a genius, like to win more games, you need to score more runs than you allow. Like it is that simple sometimes. (laughs) But, but this guy was just like, yeah, this is, this is where, where I'm at. Um, yeah, Again, and it's I just feel like it's all or nothing right now with this team. Like they only put up runs when they hit home runs. Like they don't have big innings. You know, all. And they only hit home runs when they hit home runs. You heard it here, folks. 
Is that what I said? I meant they only score runs when they hit home runs. Yeah, you said they only hit home runs when they hit home runs. My my bad. (laughs) From the mouth of a genius. um, They only score runs when they hit home runs. Uh, So, like, even tonight, like, four runs, three home runs. All of them them scored on a home run. This team wasn't supposed to be the home run hitting team. Yeah, but I feel like that's how it's been as of late. We were going to pitch ground ball. Uh We were going to pitch ground ball, and we're going to play – Whitey ball, you know. Yep, yeah. we're gonna manufacture runs. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna squeeze them on the base pass. We're gonna be active. We're gonna hit singles, doubles. Might hit for a little power. We got a couple guys that are gonna hit home runs, mm-hmm. so like you're gonna see it. But when they hit home runs, you're gonna have guys on the base pass, and it's gonna be constant like that. And all of a sudden, this team has turned into a we throw strikeouts. Well, we attempt to throw strikeouts. Yep. And we hit the long ball. Mm-hmm. So. Exactly. I think we've talked about this before as well. So it's just kind of getting old and repeated. Exactly what you built the team for and you said actively for years and years, this is how we're going to play ball in the course of a year and a half to two years. That has completely changed and all the players have stayed the same. Right. But what has changed is your coaching staff. Like, that, you know, what is it, Dusty Blake came in and was like, I want our guys to pitch to more strikeouts. Like, we want to miss more bats. Well, cool. Like, okay. But why? Like, you have an infield that consists of four potential gold glove winners. Like, you have an outfield that, when healthy, contains two gold glove winners. You know, so... Like, I, I just don't – I don't get – why would you not pitch to – like, who cares if you only strike three guys out? Get 18 ground balls – ground ball outs a game. And it's like, I don't know if maybe, like, the doing away of the shift made them weary of the ball being put in play. You know? Like, uh, like ground, ground balls, you know, ground balls have eyes. Like, strikeouts play all the time. You know, maybe I I don't I don't know. Um, but I know they they got to do something fast. I mean they're they're everyone out. Like I mean we we talked about it. You know on on the last time we recorded, um, like I said it was right before they went into their win streak and we they had their horrendous April. You know where they went ten and nineteen. They were in last place. It wasn't looking good. They were like ten games below five hundred. Not necessarily super far out of the division, um, although Pittsburgh did get off to a pretty amazing start. I think Milwaukee kind of was hot to start the year as well. I'm going to go look to see how far out of first place they were. Um, but it's taking forever to load. Um, so they were they were 10 games back at the end of April. They were 10-19. and 19, Pittsburgh was 20-9. and nine. Um, Even the Brewers, they were 8.5 behind Milwaukee. You know, relative, like, hey... The, this team is expected to be good. This is where we're at. Um, so then they go on their win streak. And we even talked about in um, – or so prior to their win streak, because in, in the last episode that we recorded, it's like the end – like that first week of May, um, we had even talked about like they had just gotten swept by the Angels and they had just dropped two out of three to the Tigers. Um, and they had gotten – um, so it was like they lost two out of three to the Mariners. 
lost three out of four to the Giants, got swept by the Dodgers, got swept by the Angels, lost two out of three to the Tigers. So it was like, what, what is that? 0-3, oh, 0-6, 0-9, oh, 11, 1-2, 3. So they were like 3-11 and 11 to wrap up April into that first week of May. So it was real bad. And we were like, you know, you were – the Angels weren't a great team. Um, Tigers were de- are definitely not a good team. And you're like, if these are the guys you're losing to, um, you know, dropping three out of four to the Giants who were like below 500. I don't know if they are anymore. Um, they're playing 500 now, but they, they weren't expected to be a good team. And so we're like, well, now you're going in and you got to win series at Chicago, at Boston. You got to beat Milwaukee, beat the Dodgers. Like you have to start to win these series or you're going to like, you're real quickly going to end up being, you know, so many games back. And, uh, cause like we were even laying out like, all right, like if you can, can win these series, and then you go into June where they had three at Pittsburgh. They play like after the series with the Rangers, they have a home stand where it's three against Cincinnati and three against San Francisco. Um, then they get the Mets then they are, you know, which could be a tough series depending on who pitches because now their pitchers are healthy, but then they get the nationals who are not a great team. They go to London to play the Cubs and then they get Houston and the Yankees at home to wrap up June and start July. But it was like, all right, like you could see like if they beat up on Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and the Giants and Washington, like they could get right back into this. So when they went 10 and three and they were heading to Cincinnati and they're now like they went from being, you know, what they were. Nine, 12, 13 games below 500, something like that, 12 games below 500. And then they were real quick, like, hey, we're, we're five games under 500 now. And no one else in the NL Central did anything. It's like we talked about that they were, you know, like the division was on like an 18-game losing streak. Like everyone combined. <laughs> it's like everyone was losing games. Um, and it's like coming out of that, like, let's, let's just go see. We'll update. See where they were. They were moved. They had moved in the fourth place. They were only five games back. And it was like, okay, like that, this, this is it. This is what you needed. You're five games back now. You have four in Cincinnati. Then you get Cleveland. Then you get Kansas City. Then you get the Pirates. And it's like, man, like you could real quickly be to back over 500 if you just win those series. Like if you take three or four from Cincinnati, you're, you know, three games below 500. You take two out of three from Cleveland, you're two games below 500 you sweep the Royals you're back to 500 to end May and you're like okay now let's just go like we're probably right there with Pittsburgh we're going to catch them so let's play that a tough Texas series but then you're coming home and you're like all right like now we're just going to handle business at home and we might even be closing in on the first place team because the NL Central sucks so bad because that, that's where you were at after you won 10 out like you went 10 and 3 in those 13 games against really good teams and then they've done dog shit since then. Like they fell off the face of the earth, you know, split with Cincinnati, luckily uh, lost two out of three to Cleveland where they blew leads in both games. And I think both losses were walk-off losses because uh, they lost by one run in both of those games. They lost by one run and one of the games against Cincinnati, um, which was a blown save, I think situation. Yeah. Cleveland scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth to win one and now the Cardinals made it close in the other one. 
but it's like they they should have won two out of three against Cleveland, but the bullpen faltered. Then the offense disappeared, and they got shut out by Kansas City. And then the pitching just disappeared. They blew a 5 nothing lead to Pittsburgh. They blew, um, I think they were up in this game, in game two of that series. Um, yeah, they, so they were up 5 nothing in the first game to Pittsburgh, lost. They were up they were up early in the game in the second game to Pittsburgh lost. They gave up two runs in the first and the series finale and just only could muster one run and has an Andrew Kisner home run. Um, I think they were up yesterday. Yeah, they, they took the lead yesterday um, in the second and promptly gave up the lead. They had the lead today, blew the lead. Um, so it's just like so often the Cardinals play with a lead early and can't hold it. Um, it's insane. Like they have to lead the league in blown leads. In the first yeah. Like, and I, I imagine like if you go and you look, so like I said, like they're, they're, um, hold on, let me get present day. Cause I think they're, they're just in front of Kansas city and Oakland in terms of record. Um, yeah, technically, yes, because they have the same amount of wins as Washington, but Washington has two less losses. Um, but like of, of those teams, it's like the Nationals 25 and 35, granted they played two less games, but the Cardinals have 30 more runs scored than them. Like the Nationals are minus 42 in run differential. The Cardinals are even with their loss tonight. Um, Oakland, who's 13 and 50, you know, worst record in baseball. They have a run differential of negative 204. Kansas City, negative run differential of 83. Um, you look at some of the other teams that have 25, 26 losses or 25, 26 wins right now. Uh, the Rockies, 26 and 35, negative 57. Um, the Reds, 28 and 33, negative 32. Uh, Let's see. Um, the White Sox, 27 and 35, negative 46. Detroit, 26 and 33, negative 70. Cleveland, 27 and 33, negative 32. It's like, and the Cardinals were even. Like the Cardinals were 25 and 37, and they have uh, they're an even run differential. They've scored 289 runs and let up 289 run, 289 runs. It's like the difference to me is like. They score runs, and they have leads. They just don't hold them. Like, the A's, the A's aren't ever really up. Like, the A's aren't winning games ever. They're just letting up runs all the time. That's what they do. And they they scored, like, 11 runs tonight. Um, yeah, like the, now you're, you're just at a point where you're eight and a half games back in the division to Milwaukee again. You're 12 games below 500 with your five-game losing streak to start June. Um, you're you're currently playing like one of the hottest teams in baseball. Um, have like the second best record in baseball behind Tampa Bay. So it's just it's it's tough doing, but they are again getting leads and then blowing them. Um, and Marmol had like the, hey we we're on the back end of playing 19 games in 19 days when like starting from the Boston series, May 12th 
they didn't have an off day for the rest of May until the 31st. So from May 12th to May 30th, they played every day. They played a game. But in that stretch, like, they they did pretty well. Swept Boston, two out of three from Milwaukee, three out of four from L.A., split with Cincinnati on the road, one and two in Cleveland on a tough loss, and split with the Royals. Under regular circumstances, that's not horrible. The problem is that the week before that, you got swept by the Angels and lost two out of three to the Tigers. And then, like, you're, you know, after that, like, you got two days off. And then coming out of that two-day break where they didn't play the 31st or the 1st, you're 0-5. So your team should have been super rested. And it started with blowing a five-run lead to the Pirates. You know, like, so I, I don't, you, you can't have it one way and the other. Like, that's just not how it goes. Like, it, well, if you were bad before because you were, you were too tired, well, now are you bad because you're too well-rested? Like, everyone should have been ready to go. It's like, they just don't have any fight. Like, that's, you know, or like you've said, they're lost. Super lost. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. About his loss of we're in this conversation because we've been talking about the Cardinals for an hour and a half. Well, minus the introduction. Yeah, which well, I mean, it's it's fine. I there to to be fair, I don't know that there's much to say about the Yankees right now. In my opinion, like they're they're playing good. They're playing well. They're they had a rough April. You know, not as bad as the Yankees, but uh, not a great April. They were 15 and 14 in April. But since then, like, I think, like, through the weekend series, they were, like, 20 and 10, um, like, since May 1st. And, like, the only team that had a better record in that time frame was Texas, who was 20 and 9. So, I mean, they're, they're playing really well. They just won. You know, like, losing tonight kind of sucks. Um, they just couldn't hit Giolito to save their life. Um, but I mean, they just took two out of three from the Dodgers on the road, took two out of three from the Mariners on the road, took two out of three from the Padres. You know, they lost a series to Baltimore, but they swept the Reds in Cincinnati, um, took three out of three out of four in Toronto. Um, they split a four game series with the Rays, you know, swept Oakland, took two out of three from Cleveland. So like May was kind of what you expected. Um, you know, they, they lost the series. Um, you know, a really, really good series. Like really like the Cleveland series was really good. They lost by one to start May. Um, then they won by two, one by one. Um, in the Rays series, they lost five to four. They won three to two and then they lost eight to seven. Um, beat up on Oakland as you would expect. Then they got blown out by Tampa Bay, but then they won six to five, won nine to eight, lost eight to seven. So they played seven games against Tampa Bay and six of them were decided by one run. So it's like, all right, like, so you were in it every, like pretty much every game against arguably what has been the best team in baseball this year. Um, you could argue that their schedule was pretty soft, but they've continued to play well. Um, then they went to Toronto and beat up on a division rival. And then they swept another shitty team in Cincinnati. It's like beating up on the teams that they should. And that's what we talk about. 
Um, it's like the really the one big downside was losing the series to Baltimore, but they beat won the series against San Diego, won the series against Seattle, and it was in convincing fashion, ten to four, ten to two, and then they couldn't hit George Kirby, um, and that just tends tends to be a trend um, that they'll disappear. Uh, they lost eight to four to open up the Dodgers, and that was like when um, I, I forget who started. Was it Herman? Maybe who was it that pitched this game? Uh, Severino. That's who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Severino started. Um, yeah, and and he didn't, and he didn't have such a great first inning. You know, let up six runs in the first, but even with that. And like we talk about all the time, it's like when the Cardinals pitchers run into trouble, that's just kind of it. Like they run into trouble and then they're out of the game. Like Severino gave up six runs in the first inning and he still ended up going four innings, only allowing seven runs. Um, Didn't strike out a whole lot of guys, but he just started to like get outs, um, which was a, a big thing. Like, and after that first inning, like the Yankees outscored the Dodgers four to two. So it's like, all right, like you fought back, you lost by four. It's not a not a close game, but it wasn't a blowout when he let up six runs in the first. Um, and then they won the next two. And so you're like, all right, bet. Like this this is this is fine. Um but now they're playing the White Sox and they need to <laughs> to win. And of course they don't. Yep. They lose tonight. Um, but another one run loss. Um but they're they're back into third. You know, you're you have Tampa Bay with a ridiculous seven hundred win percentage, so they're seven and a half games out of first. So it's crazy to think, like when you look at it, the Yankees are thirty six and twenty six, the Cardinals are twenty five and thirty seven, the Yankees are seven and a half games out of first, the Cardinals are eight and a half games out of first. So Yankees are 10 games over 500 Cardinals are 12 games over 500 or 12 games under 500. And the, the Cardinals are only one game out of first further than the Yankees are, which is just crazy. Like if they were, if they were in the same divisions, it would be like what I think the Yankees would be up by like 12 games on the Cardinals right now, <laughs> like head to head. Yeah, but you put the Cardinals in any other division and it just looks way worse and it's just still so bad. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Milwaukee's getting there. I mean, Milwaukee's six and four in their last 10, like they're starting to pull away a little bit, but I mean, they're 33 and 28 and they have a negative run differential. Like when you look at like expected wins and losses, which is, I think a big portion of that is run differential. The Cardinals are expected right now. They would be, like, if everyone had their expected win-loss record, the Cardinals would be a half game out of first behind the Cubs, tied with Pittsburgh. They would be in front of both Milwaukee and Cincinnati based on their expected win-loss. Yeah, and it's just based on runs scored and runs allowed. It's like, that's how bad that NL Central is, in my opinion. Um, and so with that, I mean, like, they're they're always... They always have that opportunity, and, like, they're always right there. Um... But like the last thing they kind of needed was Cincinnati to get hot at the right time and like be playing well. And like Cincinnati is now taken two in a row from the Dodgers. And so you're like, oh, like they're six four. They just called up a prospect. 
Like, so they're they're starting to play well, and now that's when you're going to get to play them. You know, and you're like, oh, well, shit. Okay. Um, you know, but they're eight and a half out of first. They're eight games out of a wild card. But at least the Yankees, like, they're they're in a wild card spot right now. Uh, they're they're holding down the third wild card spot, half game behind Houston, two games behind Baltimore. Um, so that's why I was saying is like really like what you want to do is just get in to like try to get into striking distance, um, and at least be able to like host a like the wild card game. So like if you can just be that top wild card, it's like don't worry about catching Tampa Bay. Catch Tampa Bay after you're the top wild card. Like, get get in the second. Catch Baltimore. And then go from there. You know? Um, or don't catch Houston or Baltimore and get to play Minnesota. Because really, that's probably the easier matchup. Like, playing Minnesota on the road is probably what you want to do in the AL. So, maybe I want them to stay where they are. <coughs> like, if you, ca- if you can't catch Tampa Bay play Minnesota in the wild card series. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so they're, so they're right there. Um, and again, like they haven't been able to stay healthy. Um, their offense was starting to get healthy, but right before Donaldson and Stanton came back, Bader went down. Now judges hurt. Um, so you're, you're running thin again. Um, you know, you still don't have Montas. You still don't have Rodon. Um, Cortez just went on the IL. Cole's not 100%. Um, you know, so you're so you're at a situation where, like, if you drew up all right, with Yankees' current 40-man roster, if they were healthy, what would your rotation look like? And 80% of your starting rotation currently is not healthy. Um, three of them are actually on the IL, and one might need a stint on the IL, or they may at least skip a start from Cole. Um so it'll be interesting. I think he's slated to pitch like Friday and it's like up in the air on whether or not he makes that start. Like they might just have like a spot start and it's really, they're like, well, we, we don't know if we have enough arms. So let's kind of play it by ear and then we'll see where you're at health wise. Um, so that's like the, the, the big thing um, is just them like trying to get healthy. Like, They've had guys filling in as they need to. Like Jake Bowers has been great. Um, Willie Calhoun's um, delivered. You know, he's produced some. Uh, Greg Allen's produced some. They still could use like an everyday left fielder. Um, I've heard like some interesting names thrown around like Randall Grichik. as like an option that they were saying that they could go after. Um, I've heard it be like tossed around like, um, I think Kevin Kiermeyer was a name. Um, I think he's in Toronto, right? Um, yeah. So they were saying like if, if Toronto like falls out of it, like that that's like a potential name, like that the Yankees could go out and try to land for like some outfield help that, you know, he just becomes like a true center fielder defensively. Um, if Bader can't get healthy. So I've heard some interesting names thrown around. Um, but things are just kind of where, where they're at. Um, losing tonight, like I said, sucked. Chicago's not a good team. They have been playing better. Um, they had won three in a row going into tonight. Um, after this, they get uh, Boston. 
um, over the weekend. Um, I said, I think they just need to not worry about trying to catch Tampa Bay. Like Tampa Bay is playing outside themselves. If they play 700 baseball all year, they deserve to win the division. You know, what, what can you do? Um, not a lot. Yeah. You can complain about them and talk about how they have a shitty schedule and they play shitty teams. But. Well, but eventually it'll, it'll even out. Like, and that's the whole thing is that the only, like you're, you're, you should like the only difference would be where you play teams, but you should play all the teams, the same number of games. Like maybe, I think maybe like there might be like some four and three game series in there somewhere um, where like, the Yankees will play like the Mets for two games and Tampa Bay, it might be like a two game series against the Marlins and then a four game series against the Marlins kind of thing. But it'll be like six against the arrival or, or some shit. Um, so I, so there might be some differences, but at the end of 162 games, it should be pretty similar. So I, I, I can't, I can't, and at at this point, like where it's June and it's been two months of baseball, they like and the Yankees have played them seven times. Like it's hard to say, like, hey, we, like, you haven't played anybody. Like we've played you seven times, and you've taken four out of the seven. It's like you've won the season series so far. Um, it would be different if it was like, well, every time we play you, we blow you out, and then you get to go play Oakland again. Right. You know. Like, it would be more of an argument for, like, the Astros or something like that where they do get to play Oakland 14 times and the Yankees get to play them six times. You know, like, the Yankees, all of their in-division games are against winning teams. They don't have an Oakland A's in their division. So, I can't, like, and, and Tampa Bay has it the same way. So, at the, in the, the end of the day or the longer the season goes, that becomes less and less relevant. It was just a talking point that I tried to convince myself of a couple weeks into the season, but now another month into the season, I kind of have to let that argument go. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But I just wanted to recant my statement that uh, like they are playing like a good team, um, but I think they're very beatable. Yeah, they'll probably lose the Giants this week. Uh, yeah, I would think so. Because um, they, they have a knack for disappearing. Like they, they have definitely gone stretches where they just aren't scoring runs. Um, when there's no expectations on the team because they you know, don't have fans, well, they don't have fans come to games, and you know it's it's cool. But I mean, you get in the playoffs and all of a sudden you get fans out. Now you got expectations. You got all these young players. It's just like a recipe for like um, basically what the Cardinals want to do at times is just you know get hot. If we get hot at the right time, we'll be good. But they develop players a lot better. You know, they they play within their means, I guess. But yeah, it typically ends up in them not you know, finishing it off. Right. But I mean, but but June, like after these opening series, like I said, like we we went to LA, so that was fun. Like this last weekend, uh, playing the White Sox now, which you know I I like their pitching staff, like Giolito, Lynn, Cease. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank on who's expected to pitch the other two games for them, but Giolito pitch tonight. He's really, really good. Like I, it's baffling to me that he struggles the way that he does at times. I thought he was really good when he was in Washington. Um, I thought it was a great trade for the White Sox to add him, and it just hasn't amounted to much. Um, 
but so it's been fun. Probably so they have the Red Sox this weekend. They have the Red Sox next weekend. Um, I think they're in Boston this weekend, and then they're back home next weekend. So that should be fun. Um, in between, like they go to New York uh, to play uh, two game series at City Field, and it's right around the same time the Cardinals are there as well. So uh, I thought that was odd because that's how we snuck in um, when Kurt and I went to Cincinnati. It's like the Yankees were there for the weekend and the Cardinals came in for that um, uh, like Monday through Thursday. So yeah, the, so the Yankees and Mets play at, at City Field the 13th and 14th. And then Thursday the 15th is a, like a day off in baseball again. And then the Cardinals are at, at City Field the 16th, 17th, and 18th of June. So it's like this: the Yankees are in there first, and then the Yankees come to, t- or then the Cardinals come into town right after them again. Um, so I, I thought about like making a trip, like seeing if I could swing a trip like that to do it again and go up to New York. But uh, I was like, eh, I'm making a trip in June or in May, and then we had the back-to-back weekend. So I was like, I'll hold off. Um, yeah, so back-to-back weekends with Boston two game like a small two game set with the Mets um they have a series with the Rangers towards the end of the month um re, like uh, another series with Seattle they get another series with Oakland so that should be fun um and then they wrap up here in St. Louis uh the 30th the first and the second so I don't know what game I'm gonna go to yet I'm leaning on the Friday night game because the other two games are during the day um and I don't know if I want to try to deal with holiday shit. Um, so I'm really debating on if I even want to go to the game on Friday. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure like the, what do they call it? Oh, I forget what they call it now down there. It used to be the VP Fair, but I don't remember what they call it now. Like Fair St. Louis or something like that. No, but I'm, sh- I'm sure that'll be going on. So I'm sure downtown will be crazy because i'm sure they'll have like the fireworks at night and stuff like that um and downtown st louis is just a shithole right now so i'm not trying to get mugged and robbed um and if the and if there's fans traveling from new york those guys typically tend to be assholes so i'm sure some shit will break out um so i'm debating on if i want to go i've already seen them play they've been here and i can you know we could just as easily go somewhere watch the games you know whatever or like i can host or you can host or whatever so maybe i'll do something like that maybe i'll just invite everyone over i got the big screen i'll just invite a few people over i can make a pork bit i can smoke some hell yeah dude some wings or something that'd be cool mm-hmm. man maybe we just go that route rather than going to the game we just have our own little fucking foray yeah you're 20 bucks for uh dinger right? uh something like that Something like that. Split a fifty. Uh, yeah, and then, then, well, thirty. Thirty, yeah. That's yeah. Right. So yeah, so it's like twenty bucks that you owe me. Yeah. Maths. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> Genius, big brain, stuff. Um. Yeah. So, so like I said, not much to say about the Yankees. I mean, like, they're, 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 like, rotating, like, days off, like, extended time off for people. 
like, oh, you're back now. Okay, we're gonna get, we're gonna have these guys get hurt, quote unquote. We're gonna have you guys take some days off. Quote unquote. Yeah, but they're uh, they're winning games. I can't be mad about it. You know, they're in third place in their division, and they're ten games over five hundred. What the fuck mm-hmm. can you do? Yeah, their division, you know, keeps <laughs> winning games. So there's, yeah. Gonna, I feel like they've made up some. You know, they've definitely made up some games, and then there's long season for them still. You know, hard to count yeah. out. I mean, Boston, with their win tonight, they're 31-30, and 30, and they're in last place in the East. And the Twins, with their loss tonight, they're 31-30, and 30, and they're in first place in the AL Central. So, you know, do do what you will. The Angels, they're 31-30, and 30, they're in third place in the AL West. You know, so it's like, what, what can you do? Um, you know, if you're the Twins... You get to play slightly above 500 and win your division. If you're the Red Sox, you get to play slightly above 500, finish in last place, and be double-digit games out of first. You know, that's the way the way it's spun up. What can you do? The way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Cardinals has got to figure out something. Um, and I don't even know, I guess I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's like they need to figure out how to win. I think that they just need to figure out a direction. Where do they want this franchise to be in 2025? You know, like you're, you, you traded for Goldschmidt, you extended him and that contract has just amounted to nothing. Like he got you an MVP. It was worth it. He was good. He produced. He just didn't win. Um, got Arenado. He's produced. You're just not winning. You know, I thought say it could it could just be a situation where you know, if they don't if they don't make the playoffs this, this year, let's say, then it will be um, it will be it, it is officially now. It's been ten years, I think. Right, fourteen. Yeah, so it would be if they don't make the playoffs this year, it would be 10 years without the Cardinals making an appearance in the World Series. And it'll have been nine years since they won an NLCS game because um, they won one game. They lost in five to San Francisco in 2014. Um, so you're, you're real close to being like a decade without an NLCS win. And I, that... Uh, that's just it's on on real to think about it that way like if you if you look at like the decade before that it's like if you compare like 2003 or 2004 through 2013 compare the Cardinals' success and then look at 2013 or 2014 through 2023 like my god like that i don't know how people haven't started jumping off buildings like your the organization doesn't look that that doesn't doesn't look that much different. Yeah. You know, like the, it's not like they've lost like a ton of guys or anything like that. Like I feel like every time someone leaves, like there's just another guy that pops up. He's the same player. Yeah, like, they've even had guys die. You know, not to make light of it, but they have. Like full on, just lost a guy for nothing, and it like it sucked at the time. Like terrible, terrible happenings, 
But from a business standpoint, the organization just kept on trucking. You know, like what if you had Tavares, like what what would you do with him? He would be your uh, a ninth outfielder that's majorly ready that the team has. Well, I hope he'd have like lots of years of MLB service under his belt at this point in time. He'd... Right. Or, yeah, I'm not I'm not saying that he wouldn't be at the major league level. I'm just saying he would be like another guy in the organization that is ML, like an MLB caliber outfielder. Well, to be fair, like if you if you have Oscar Tavares, you probably don't go out and force yourself to get Dexter Fowler. And then uh, you really, I mean, I don't know if it stops the log jam, but um, it definitely like that's, I mean, you go out and get Dexter Fowler, then you go out and get Marcelo Zuna, who, which you really didn't even want. It was the third guy that you were just able to get. You got Marcelo Zuna. <laughs> well, and really it was the second guy you were able to get because it was said that Christian Yellick was off limits. And then they promptly flipped him into the Cardinals division. Yeah, but <laughs> and I he won an MVP the next year. Yeah, not coming to your team. And he put yeah. up 15 fucking points today in fantasy. Nick Audrain's team had two players put up 15 points today, and one of them hit a grand slam. Nolan Arenado hit a home run. Freddie Freeman hit a grand slam. And Christian Yellow goes three for four, two doubles, <coughs> a run, two stolen bases, a walk, and whatever I fucking D stands for. Uh, intentional walk. Yeah, intentional walk. Fifteen, fifteen points. At least the pitcher got negative hits. But yeah, so you couldn't get you couldn't get Christian Yelich. So whatever. But like, so maybe maybe it's a little bit different. Hard to tell. But the way this organization moves guys to the outfield, draft fucking outfielders. I could have swore we've been drafting pitchers. I could have swore it. I've been talking about oh, first round pick here comes a lefty pitcher like clockwork. But for some reason. We continue to have outfielders. We don't have a pitching problem. That's but you, but you kind of do. Well, yeah, but I mean, we got guys, but we don't really have. You got but, five guys you put in a rotation, but you don't have. Okay, after McGreevy and whatever else the guy's name is, the one we like just drafted or whatever. Jerpy. Uh, yeah, Jerpy. So mm -hmm. after that, you got Libertor up. You fed mm -hmm. him up. And but you still have Graceffo. Okay, so the, uh, and then Zach Thompson, they put into the into the bullpen, who's a starter. Um, Woodford, who is on the cusp, like started up this year, and that's who the odd man out was when you brought when Wainwright came back. But he wasn't he wasn't great as a starter. Correct? He he wasn't he wasn't phenomenal, but he didn't kill your team. Like he's probably just not fully cooked yet. But again, like he's probably going to be the back end of your rotation. Like he's not expected to be an ace. Like really your expectation was Flaherty would be your long-term ace. Well, it's not, it's not your expectations now, but three years ago before he got hurt, it totally was. And Jack Flaherty was a stud. I was still going to trade him. Well, you didn't, you just didn't like him as a person. Yeah. Which means I wanted, for, for sure I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you didn't want to trade him but you your reasoning for wanting to trade him wasn't because he sucked like your reason for trading him is like the same reason why you don't like Bryce Harper well Bryce Harper when you trade him you win that's fair one and two with a 5.4 ERA in seven games six games started 30 innings pitch 18 strikeouts and, yeah uh, yeah that's not it's not it's not great, but again, like they're it's not to that point. Like your hope would be that these guys slowly 
slowly move their way in. Like, if you ended up with a situation where it was like Flaherty, Libator, Graceffo, McGreevy, Jerpy as your rotation, that it'd probably be like the year like 2026. And you're never, you would never sell me on A, all those guys are going to work out. Yeah, for sure. But you're, uh, but you should be developing other arms or you're going to, like, there's going to be drafts each of those years. Not everyone takes as much time to bring along. The problem is that the Cardinals hold on to guys for fucking ever. You know, like, there's no reason that Matt's needed a four-year contract. They've extended Michaelis twice. And not that Michaelis hasn't deserved it, but you have all of this youth. The money that you're spending on Michaelis is money that you could have spent elsewhere to have a more solidified lineup. Or, like, Michaelis isn't an ace. Like, Michaelis is an accent piece. Like, he isn't, uh, you know, he's not a... You know, a, the, a Garrett Cole. Like, Granny doesn't make as much as Cole, but he's not, uh, yeah, he's more like a, a Strowman esque type piece. Like, you, you're you bringing him on board because you want him to be a really good number two, number three. He's like a Nestor Cortez. Like, Cortez isn't going to be the ace of the Yankees ever. He's not going to be the ace of any rotation ever. Michaelis isn't going to be the ace of any rotation ever unless the rotation isn't great, which is where you're at now with Cardinals. Like, you don't have an ace, so it's Michaelis by default. You know, it's like your your hope would be that one of them develop into an ace. You thought it was going to be Jack. He was going to be the one that got to, like, the tutelage from Wayno. All that good shit. It didn't work out. But there's always the possibility, like we talked about, like, flipping those guys into one piece. You know, but if you look at the aces that are out there now, for the most part, they're, you know, they're, they're guys that you haven't, like, that that typically got traded somewhere and then they became studs like Houston traded for Cole and Cole ended up becoming what he was. Um, Glass now got traded from Pittsburgh to Tampa Bay and became what he was. Uh, DeGrom was drafted. Kershaw was drafted. You know, Wayno got traded to the Cardinals and became what he was. So it's like, you're trying to find those youth guys and then develop them. Very rare. Is it like, Oh, like this guy wasn't that great. He got signed as a free agent. Now, all of a sudden, he's a stud. Like, you, you typically find, like, that diamond in the rough type pickup. And that's where you're going to get pitching depth from. Um, so, you know, like, Zach Gallon traded twice. Alcantara got, you know, came over in a trade. But, so, like, I would think if you're trying to trade for an ace, you have the pieces to do it. And I think that they could get away with, like, trading for a guy like Glass now who has a ton of injury problems. Like, hey, we'll take him off your hands. Um, like a Giolito or a Cease. Like, hey, like, we'll work through your guys' troubles. You're rebuilding. Here, here's this. But, like, for the Rays, like, hey, here is two guys, like, Montgomery and Flaherty to bring back, like, Glass now and, like, a, like a, another pitching prospect or two. And you're just like, okay, well, if Glassnow's healthy, he's the ace of your squad. You know, if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, it's a bust. But if you weren't planning on bringing back Flaherty and Montgomery anyway, and you can flip them into a piece that can be an ace, you know, is that worth the, the risk? Like, is that a gamble that you're willing to take? Like, you turn two guys that you were just going to lose to free agency into the ace of your rotation? 
Like those, those are the moves I think that the front office needs to start looking at, but they're never going to. Like that's just not the Cardinals MO. Or Moe's MO. They're dude. Apparently, Mark Messi or Messi's going to Inter Miami. Oh snap! Apparently, good deal. Apparently. Good. Get shut down by the city. Hey. Um. Sass. Edo. Yeah, Edo. Um. We got Cooper Edo. <laughs> yeah. So, and the only thing. The only things I had on the agenda, I mean, we can do a little power rankings update. Um, the note I made on the on the agenda was just simple. Yankees good, Cardinals bad. Um, Yankees moved up two spots on CBS. They're ranked fifth now. Um, that's where I was saying, like, since May 1st, the Yankees are 21 and 10. Only the Rangers, 21 and 9, have been better in that span. Um, so they're moving up. They're fifth in the power rankings, and they are third in power rankings among AL East teams. Um, and they are fifth in power rankings among AL teams. Um, so, yeah, and then uh, Dodgers, Braves, Diamondbacks, um, Blue Jays, Brewers round out the top ten. So one NL Central team uh, making it into the top ten. But the Cardinals are all the way down in 27th. They dropped four spots, and I think this is the lowest I've ever seen them on a power ranking since we started looking at this stuff. And it says they just got swept in Pittsburgh, have lost five of six, and are again ten under 500. At this point, the bad times have far outweighed that one hot streak. Um, and then the three teams below them are the Rockies in 28th, which that talks about my catcher and says, I love a good old-fashioned core split. Check this one out. Catcher Elias Diaz is hitting 374 with a 1.052 OPS at home versus 244 and a 620 on the road. He has six homers and 21 RBIs at home versus zero and eight, respectively, on the road. He has one fewer plate appearance at home, too. So... I got to look to see, is he at home or is he on the road? And now I have a backup catcher, so I can sit him if he's playing a whole bunch of games on the road. Um, the Royals are 29th. <laughs> it says, in nearly any other season, there would be an awful lot of attention on how pathetic the Royals have been to this point. For example, the worst team in baseball won at a three, uh, .340 clip last season. In 2021, the worst teams played .321 ball and lost 110 games apiece. The Royals are at are at 305 right now and still are ahead of the A's by seven games. <laughs> uh, so, no surprise, the A's are in last year. <clears throat> and it says simply... They are on pace to go 32 and 130. It is it possible to see the A's finish 100 games below 500? That'd be honestly impressive. That would be extremely impressive. That's what I'm rooting for now. 
They won tonight convincingly, you know, against uh, uh, the NL juggernaut that is the Pittsburgh Pirates and NL Cy Young hopeful Mitch Keller is who they beat. So if you want to see just how bad things are in the NL Central, look no further than that. Um, arguably the best pitcher in the NL Central on the year got absolutely rocked by the A's. Um, so hopefully teams take notice, figure out how to hit them. Uh, but that's bad. On pace to go 32 to 130. Could be worse. You know, it could be worse. If if that is where the A's do finish, then if the Red Sox win tomorrow, every team in the AL in the AL East could lose the rest of their games and finish with a better record than the A's. If they do, in fact, end up going 32 and 130. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Shitty, shitty. Um, so there was one other thing I want to talk about. And we don't have to get into it too much because we're just about at the two-hour mark. But, <clears throat> so I want to get your thoughts. So we talk about the teams lost and how they need a spark and they need someone to get them fired up and that should come from management. But at what level do you think that the guys that are your superstars should be leaned on for that? Like where like you had Pujols and Molina that were just kind of at that place, you know, like they know the organization, they're fan favorites. Naturally they fall into that role. Wayno is probably the closest thing to a team captain right now, but it's really hard to do that when you're only on the on the field one every five games. So you would think that really it should fall to Goldschmidt and Arenado, right? Yep. So I don't know much about either one personally, but Goldschmidt strikes me as kind of more of a soft-spoken kind of guy. Um, like just in his interviews, stuff like that. Like he's just, you know, very humdrum. Like he's not, he doesn't strike me as like the leadership type. And I think that that's maybe a big reason why he wasn't ever, like I never really remember him being like the leader of the Diamondbacks when he was there. You know, like, and they never really had like these amazing teams. Lead by example type of guy. Right. Um, I'm the hardest working person. I'm studying all the film. I bet you he does talk a lot in the clubhouse. For sure. And he definitely could. He's trying to make people better around him. He's been in the league for long enough. I I would bet he's been like in the locker room. Hey, saw your swing. This is what I normally see out of it. Maybe I saw this little blah, blah, blah. Like whatever that is. And he's multiple times. This, this year is not the first year. It's like a Paul Goldschmidt initiated the all-team meeting. Right. Uh, I think last year he also initiated the all-team meeting. Um, so he quite often, when he feels he needs to, I think will initiate that conversation. I just don't think he's going to aid. He's not going to do it in front of the press. The press doesn't really know um, what they say unless, like, Tommy fans in the locker room and he, like, reports it in front of them on Twitter. <laughs> For sure. Um so, so I would agree. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head with Goldschmidt that he's kind of that lead-by-example guy. I think his on-field attitude um, 
speaks volumes of like how he carries himself. Um, and so as an example, like if there were a ball that was down the first baseline and him and Edmund are both running for the ball and there's miscommunication in one way or another and they both pull off of it and the ball falls in foul, I think Goldschmidt would just be like, damn, like my bad. Let, let's communicate better. Like I should have let you have that one. You know, like he, he would be the bigger man there and take leadership in that aspect. Reverse it to the left side of the field, and it's DeYoung and Arenado. I think what you're going to see from Arenado is him throwing his hands up like, what the hell, why didn't you catch that? You were there. You got in my way. It was 11, dude. It was 11. Yeah, uh, yeah cause, and, the, and the big reason I feel that way is that's what he did yesterday. Yeah. And it, it was a key situation, like, it should have gotten an easy out for Wainwright in the sixth to start the inning. And Wainwright ended up ended up retiring that guy, but he threw like five more pitches. He was already nearing 100 pitches, and he ended up losing the next guy. I think he walked the next hitter, and that's when they pulled him. Um, but so it was just taxing, you know, whatever. But then in the ninth, when they lost the game, there was another ball hit out to like shallow left. And I don't know if DeYoung was like shifted up the middle or where he was at on the play. Cause it was low batting or not low batting. Um, I, I forget who it was, but DeYoung wasn't in the play. It was just Arenado all by himself. Even the left fielder wasn't there. And he just straight up missed it. Like he just flat on didn't make the play. And so it was like, all right, well, well now what now, who are you going to blame? Like your reaction on the field, like, it just, it, it was not a, I'm going to take the lead here. It was, I'm going to stop my feet and I'm going to be a fucking baby about this. And when you think back of like what you heard of him in Colorado, like he was always kind of chastised as like being like this prima donna that like, I'm the best thing that's ever happened. Like I'm Nolan fucking Arenado. Like you're going to build a team around me. I'm platinum glove winner. I'm the best defender that's ever played this game. I'm a, perennial MVP candidate I'm the most important thing pay me and then build around me and we're going to win championships and then when it didn't happen it was everyone else's fault but his and even to the point where he was like I want to be traded well I don't I want I want you to build around me now I want to be traded it's like he always just kind of seemed cancerous in Colorado but admittedly that franchise seemed to be in shambles and Jeff Burdich was a terrible fucking GM. So it seemed he had a reason. But now here, maybe, I know we're not very high on the front office, but I feel like the expectations are to carry yourself to a little bit different of a standard if you're going to be the leader on a team. And he just doesn't strike me as that. Like, I don't get leadership vibes from Arenado, and that's why I hate the whole, like, mentality that people say, like, well, the Cardinals go as Arenado goes. Like, I don't know. Like, don't give him that credibility. Like, that's not how it is. You know, like, I just, I, I feel like you should expect more from him. Yeah, I think when he's hitting well and he's playing defense well, I think he probably is a pretty decent leader. I think when he's not hitting well 
score as well as he thinks he should be hitting, I guess to say. And he's, you know, making some plays in the outfield or in the infield that he normally would make, but he's not making. He tends to be a little crybaby. And I'll gauge him on, you know, if Panera and my employees talk about the mood elevator a lot. You know, when Nolan Arenado is low on the mood elevator, I think other people around him are going to be low on the mood elevator. You look at a guy that's getting paid bajillion fucking dollars, uh, widely regarded as one of the best third basemen to ever play the position. No one questions the man's work ethic. But when he's in a poor mood, everyone around him is going to feel that is somewhat going to be in a poor mood. So I don't think it's so much so when he's hitting, everyone's hitting. I, to me, it's when Nolan Arenado's in a bad mood, you might want to stay away from him in the clubhouse. Right, like if he's not happy, no one else can be happy either. He's a guy that probably makes a snarky remark here and there. Probably a good teammate. I'm not saying he's a bad teammate. I'm just saying not the, hey, when I go out there and I talk about future Hall of Famer Nolan Arenado and all these guys, he's like, you know, I, um, it seems a little Brett Harvey. Yeah, and I and I think that that's fair, and it's and maybe like I don't and, and maybe it's an unrealistic expectation to be like, well, you're the highest paid on the team, you should be a leader in the clubhouse, because like I don't know, I don't know that I expect that from like Garrett Cole, like I. Yeah, but other players that have been. They've been through some. Okay, you were the best player like forever. Like you just have, you have a, a different aspect to it. You were obviously more talented than most people, and then for a no one or not, he's been in the league for a handful of times now. So right. it's not even that you're this like perennial Hall of Famer. It's that you you're a seasoned veteran that has been on losing teams, and you've been a good player, so you know what that's like. You should be able to shut your mouth. You should be able to not break bats over your knees. You know, and some people see it as, you know, do it emotion or whatever, but some of it's not, like you said, it's just kind of like, I mean, it seems like he's kind of just being a little bitch sometimes. <laughs> right. And, and I don't, and I don't know that that's the case. And like, I understand frustration and he's human. About it, that's what I was like, man, it, and before you were talking, talking about he's being a crybaby sometimes, the thought that was in my head was, and sometimes he's really cool. And then sometimes like when he's not feeling it, it's, yeah, uh, and like, I, and I don't, like I said, I'm not, we're not there. We're not in the locker room. They don't invite us. We'd go if they did, you know, hit us up um, at the interleague on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, holler at us. You did fine. Um, we just pop some bottles. It'll be cool. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't, so I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm going off of you know, the two and a half hours that I see him on the field and like how I see him conduct interviews. And it was just even like when they were in the midst of like losing and having the horrible April, there was like an interview with Goldschmidt and there was an interview with Arenado and the vibe was very different. Like it, it was just like zero accountability. Like as almost as if like Arenado's mind is like, well, it's not me. It's never me, baby. Like I'm, I'm me. I'm Nolan fucking Arenado. Like it's never me. I'm not the reason we're not doing well. Like maybe I'm the reason why. Maybe I'm the reason why I'm not doing well. But I'm the best player we have. I'm Nolan fucking Arenado. What's the uh, Eddie Murphy's character in uh, the Indians movie? Uh, are you talking about Major League? Oh yeah, Major League. Are you talking about Wesley Snipes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Willie Mays Hayes. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's racist, man. All that's racist. This thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, it, maybe it's. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, so I, and I don't know. Like, may and maybe maybe I'm being cruel, and like he, I get, get it. Yeah. Yeah, like I and I, I don't mean to make it seem like he's not a good person. I'm not talking about like things he does off the field. He might be super charitable and do all these great things. Not, it's not an attack at his character at all. Strictly. <laughs> yeah. Um, strictly just talking about from a baseball leadership sense, I don't think that's who he is. Like, if I were to look at from a baseball talent level, if I took the best player, the best baseball player on every team, an argument could be made that that is Nolan Arenado on the Cardinals. You know, the, the best baseball player. And I don't know if he's a player I'd want to build a franchise around. Like, if I were to take... So you would end up with 30 guys. And I, I don't even know that, like, Arenado would be, like, in a top 10 for guys that I would want to build a franchise around. Um, I wonder how comparable, like, tolerable, now that I think about it, like him and uh, Bryce Harper, you know? Yeah, and maybe. I think Bryce Harper is a good comparison. Um but they're not they don't seem to like incite team greatness for some reason no like it's like I, when I think of like good leaders and maybe it's the position that they play because like I think Freddie Freeman probably did a great job like was obviously a leader in Atlanta and I think that you see him that he just immediately stepped into that role in LA like it just it fits him well um, like Mike Trout you know, like the way he was like the a captain of Team USA, like a culmination of other great MLB players that aren't his direct teammates, but in that scenario, like being quote unquote Captain America, thrived in that role. Like it looked like it belonged on him. Um, Judge, I've I feel like he is a very soft spoken. He's a gentle giant. And his performance on the field has been phenomenal in, you know, his captaincy. But I feel like he's more on the Arenado side. Like, I think that Judge is going to get in his feels if he struggles for an extended period of time and isn't hitting for power. Um, like, I don't, I don't know that he's displayed that leadership quality. Um, and, I, and maybe, like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know what does define it because the one thing outside of Freeman for the guys that we just kind of listed is like, they haven't been on a winning team. Like judge has been on a couple teams that have gone to the NLCS, you know, Freeman, you know, one in Atlanta, like won a ring. Um, and then I think what they won 2021. So last year was his first year in LA. Um, and they came up short in the playoffs to what? San Diego. So pretty underwhelming performance there, but he plays every day. He produces. He never wants to sit. You know, like I, I don't, I don't know. Like by Trout, what does he do? He's been a great player, arguably like the best player in the game for years and years now, and he's never like he's played in like two, three playoff games. 
Like, they have zero playoff wins. Like, I think they just got swept by the Royals in 2015 in the wild card round. And that's it. That's the extent of his playoff career. You know, they have arguably, like, two of the best players in the game now for multiple years, and they haven't made the playoffs. Like, I, <laughs> they should trade Trout. They rebuild the team trading Trout. You know, could you imagine if the Angels traded Otani and Trout at the deadline? What the yeah. what the packages they'd bring back would be? So many players. Yeah. And then they still win. Probably not, but they'd have a whole new team. Like their the players they would get would be of a caliber that it wouldn't even be prospects. It would just be other MLB level players that they could just fill the whole new team with. Like you trade like Otani for like three other major league starters. Like, <laughs> oh, here you go. You know, so he's like two, he's two players. You know, like if you, I like we were talking about earlier when we were talking about fantasy. Like if you were building a franchise around a star player right now, like how could it not be Otani? Like it's one player, but he's immediately going to be one of the most impactful bats in your lineup and your ace pitcher. Like there just isn't anyone else that does that. You know, so. You should probably trade way too many guys. You'd probably end up having time to give cash away. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do with all these guys? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, all of, like, the early rumor mills are the, the, that the Yankees are front runners to sign him in this offseason. Okay. I would be on board with that. They were... They were pretty high in the bidding, and like everyone thought that Otani was just going to end up with the Yankees initially, and he went to the Angels. He yeah, he does. He crushes in New York. Like if he comes to the Yankees, he might break Judge's record. Yeah. Uh, that swing is just made for Yankee Stadium. Sign there for his home country people to be able to watch him a little bit easier. Uh, and, and I feel like the argument's there because, like, they've been stressing Stanton playing the outfield and, like, Judge playing center field. And so, like, well, if we have Otani, we can't risk him getting hurt in the field, so he's going to DH. So if we have him, we need to have a spot for Stanton. And maybe that's why they haven't re-signed, like, they weren't worried about re-signing Bader with the trade as they're like, well, we're going to move Judge to center field. So... We don't really have a spot for you because we're going to sign Otani. It's like some of their decision-making makes sense. Personally, I'd rather them re-sign Bader, cut Stanton. <laughs> just, just fuck it. Here you go, dude. Trade him away for a bag of balls. I don't care. Find somebody that'll take him. Because that contract for his production is just ridiculous. <clears throat> but anyway, that's all. That's all I had. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, kind of speed ran through. Went a little over. 2.15 where we're at, but we wrap it up. I forgot that I wanted to talk about Arenado, and really what made me think of it was the, uh, the replay of his double last night and his horrible base running that cost the Cardinals in a huge way. Um, 
like I, I think that that was full on like Arenado's this like defensive mishap and his base running snafu, uh, 100% cost Cardinals game last night. So that's what made me think of it when I saw that replay. Is I was like, oh yeah, he had a real bad game and he looked like just a fucking complete douchebag about it. So I wanted to get your opinion. But we're back to normal. We avoided May. Your team was good. My team was good. But now we're back to the Cardinals being back in the bottom barrel. What'd you call them? Bottom of the barrel shooting motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, bottom of the barrel shooting assholes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Uh, yeah. It'll, it'll be tough. 12 games below 500. You know, in the early parts of June, it's a, it's a tall order, tall order. Um, yeah. I'm just kind of looking ahead. I mean, start looking at the next coach. Yeah, if they if they can figure out, I mean, they they got. I mean, if they can if they can stem the tide here, if they can play 500, maybe slightly above 500 for the rest of this month. You know, July, not not a tough schedule. Starts with the Yankees. That's obviously tough. Um, but four against the Marlins. Or, sorry, seven against the Marlins total. Three against the White Sox. Three against the Nationals. Three against the Diamondbacks. Eight games against the Cubs. So, between the Marlins, Nationals, and Cubs, you have 18 games. Um, if you throw the White Sox in there, which if you avoid their good pitchers, they're pretty soft. You're, you're looking at 21 of your 26 games are against teams that are very beatable for the Cardinals, in my opinion. So could could be a big, you know, 20-win month for them in July. Uh, they get the extra extended and like all-star break. So it's not like they have to play a ton of games and a ton of days. So if they can just... Uh, Figure out how to stop stop losing every game in June. Right the ship a bit. Like I said, you know, get back to like ten games below five hundred. I could see him go in, you know, eighteen and eight, nineteen and nine, something like that. I don't know how many games I said they played twenty six. So yeah, eighteen and eight. That's twenty six games. I could see him doing that in July and get back to five hundred. Uh, you know, for the trade deadline. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see. Come along for the ride with us. Seven weeks from now, we'll see. We'll see where we're at. Maybe I'll have a completely different tune in two weeks if they still haven't won games. So. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Yeah. Uh, do what? We'll see who outlasts who. <laughs> I. It's very easy for me to stay positive on the Cardinals for you because the Yankees are doing well. If the Yankees start losing and both of our teams are just losing, like April, it was a rough month. Like Cardinals, Yankees weren't even losing really. Like they were, they were not doing great, but they were in last. When both of our teams were in last, we ended up not recording for a month accidentally. <laughs> so, so as long as the Yankees can stay relevant and they're in a playoff spot, I can try to help you stay positive. But uh, I think I told, I think we're on the same page though. Time for new leadership in St. Louis. 
Get Bradley Carnell. He seems to know how to get winners going. <laughs> but cool. All right. Anything that you wanted to cover uh, that no, we I'm didn't? All right. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, bearing with us for our hiatus. We'll try to be back on a weekly schedule again, but got back though. Yeah, we might not be. May not be weekly. Who knows? See how it goes. Um, but until next time, stay cool. Bye.